0: Pastor Xavier Reese explains how we're no longer slaves to sin after being set free in Christ. Just as Christ was raised by the Father's power, so
1: the believer can walk in the newness of life by the very same power. The very same power that raised Jesus is the same power that allows me to walk. To walk in the newness of life, no longer bound to the dominion of sin nature, but the new
0: creation. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. Instead of following God's principles for holiness, many Christians follow various fleshly schemes and carnal methods. They try self-improvement techniques. They try self-discipline techniques. But despite the struggle and striving to do better, they seem to always end up at the same place, in defeat. Coming up, Pastor Xavier explains, there's hope in the simple truth, that victory is obtained not in anything we do, but rather because of what Christ has already done for us. Paul the Apostle opened the book of Romans, as you know, declaring the
1: only provision for the justification of sinners to be saved. That's why he said he wasn't ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ for the power of God unto salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. For therein the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith as it is written, the just shall live by faith, he quotes Habakkuk 2.4. And that's how he opens up in Romans 1.16 and 17. That's the heart of Romans, chapter 1, 16 and 17. The entire world is depraved and guilty before God and under his wrath. He pointed that out in chapter 1, verse 18, all the way to chapter 3, verse 20. The justification of a sinner by faith in Jesus Christ results in the peace of With God, Romans three twenty one to five eleven, justified. The two federal headships of Adam and Christ serves as a transition from justification to sanctification, in order to show the two possibilities for the human race: man is either lost or saved, condemned or justified, and he did that in Romans. 12 through 21 which is the two federal heads of Adam the last Adam Jesus the first Adam the one that God is in trouble Paul now is going to deal with the sanctification of the believer through the new divine nature imparted to him by faith in Christ Jesus this takes us from chapter 6 verse 1 all the way to chapter 8 verse 39 actually the whole section The federal headship of Christ, as the position of the believer, begins what is usually called reckoning the old man to be dead, which is from 512 to 839. This is where we step into the participation. We're not robots. Now, we must not confuse justification with sanctification. Justification deals with our position before the Father through Imputed righteousness based on what Jesus did for us. It's just given to us, okay? We did nothing for that. Sanctification deals with our practice before God through imparted righteousness based on what we are in Christ. Imputed righteousness, what he did for us. Imparted, what we are in him. Justification removes the penalty and guilt of sin through Christ Jesus. Sanctification removes the power and dominion of sin nature through Christ Jesus. Justification is a one-time event, trusting the work of Christ. Sanctification is a process throughout life abiding in Christ. A simple outline of this entire section will help you to see this. Chapter 5, our position through Christ. Chapter 6, our practice in Christ. Then chapter 7, our problem apart from Christ. And chapter 8, our power through the Spirit of Christ. Now the chapter here divides naturally into two parts by two rhetorical questions, which is verse 1 and verse 15, uh, followed by the answers. Now the first deals in verse 1, deals with uh, the idea that if grace abounds so much over sin nature, then should we continue yielding to our sin nature in order that the grace of God may overflow? The answer is from verse 2 to 14. It deals with the breaking off of the old sin nature by the new nature. The old man who was crucified needs to be reckoned dead by faith. The second question in verse 15, though we won't get to it, it's necessary so you see the whole chapter, deals with the idea that if we are under grace, then we shouldn't hesitate or worry about the byproduct of sin nature, for grace will cover sin. The answer from 15 to 23 deals with presenting our bodies as obedient slaves to holiness rather than Acts of sin abusing the grace of God. There's the distinction. Verse 1 to 14 is the root. 15 to 23 is the fruit. Apple tree, the root. The apple, the fruit. The root is responsible for the fruit. Sin nature. You have to deal with that first. Let me read here. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in him? Or do you not know that as many as were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Therefore we were buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in the newness of life." Do not let sin reign in your mortal body, that you should obey it in its lust. And do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. For sin shall shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under law, but under grace. So we want to take this first question, the sanctification of the believer, from the old... Sin nature, which is characterized by the three following things. Verse 1 through 7, the proclamation regarding our sin nature. 8 through 11, the exhortation regarding our sin nature. And 12 through 14, the application regarding our sin nature. The diatribe is progressive, just as he's done before. Let's begin here, the proclamation regarding our sin nature. Look at verse 1. The Apostle Paul posed the question knowing the mind of those who would reject the grace of God. The question was prompted by the closing statement, by the way. What should we say then? The Apostle Paul had declared in chapter 5, verse 20 and 21, so the question is prompted by the conclusion of the previous there in verse 20 and 21, Paul declared that where sin abound, grace abounds much more. And sin nature reigned in death in Adam, but not a new nature in those who had not repented. So either you find yourself in the first Adam, under the dominion of sin nature, or you find yourself in the last Adam, Jesus Christ, under the new nature, Okay. And he's thinking some guy's going to say, well, then let's just, let's just sin. And he's setting up the thing to respond to it. The truth could be leave errors about grace, and many people have had wrong understandings about grace, as if it's a license to sin. Remember that 2 Peter 3.16, Peter told us already that there were some people already twisting the scriptures of Paul to their own destruction. Okay, Now, notice the question. It's a rhetorical one. Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? The question is whether the believer is to continue, which means to abide or to persist habitually in the life dominated by sin nature. Here's the key to this this section. The word sin has the article referring to our sin nature, not acts of sin. First John also does that. So when you read sin in the noun form, every time you find it in the noun form, it means sin nature. Anything apart from the noun form, it means deeds or acts of sin. Big difference. The root, the fruit, right? He has just introduced the first and the last Adam. Two different natures, right? Now, Paul has in mind the person who would pervert the grace of God as a license to sin. We're free in Christ, but we can't do what we want. The response is exclamatory and emphatic in the negative. Certainly not. Perish the thought by no means, in no way, God forbid. The very tone of the voice itself would communicate the absurdity of such a thought or belief. Certainly not. Are you kidding me? Notice the statement that follows as another rhetorical question to reject such a ludicrous idea. How shall we, who died to sin, live any longer in it? The obvious answer is no. The word died, we are told by the Greek scholars, is an indicative error active. It happened at a point in time when we repented. We died with Christ. He's going to point this out. The question is expressed or expresses abhorrence to the thought that a person justified in Christ would think they could continue to live under sin nature. The question reveals the shock that one would consider such a thing possible with God's approval in view of all that has been declared about the wrath and the judgment of God against all unrighteousness of men. Chapter 118 all the way to 320. The question communicates an inconsistency with having received forgiveness through grace and a desire to live that way. It's inconsistent. Now, the rhetorical question is not saying a believer cannot live in a way that he never fails not what it's teaching it's not teaching sinlessness it's talking about not living in the sphere of sin nature habitually as a lifestyle now look at verse 3 the apostle paul stated the common knowledge of a christian or do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into christ were baptized into his death the common knowledge is presented in a question it communicates surprise at the ignorance of such knowledge In other words, you don't grasp the significance of the implication. And he's talking to Christians, so some Christians are ignorant about some things of the scripture. Okay? Now, the question communicates spiritual truth as a fact, not an opinion. That as many as were baptized into Christ, notice Jesus, were baptized into the sphere of his death. The ritual is identification with Christ, but true incorporation into the body of Christ, the church. Is through his Holy Spirit not baptism okay if you get water baptized you're not born again you're just a wet sinner the real incorporation that you're my brother and sisters you've been born again the Spirit of God is in you the baptism of the Spirit you're in the body of Christ public confession versus private external versus internal now if you're born again, the private and the internal has happened, then the external and the public is valid. But the important is the internal, right? Some people think they're going to go to heaven because their name's on a scroll in a church. They've been baptized in that church. Well, that doesn't mean nothing. The focus and emphasis of baptism is to illustrate the atoning death of Christ, not to teach us about baptism. Now, we make mention of this when we baptize to show you, we use it as an illustration, but he's not teaching baptism. He's showing the parallel of the atoning death of Christ. He's using it as an illustration. The word baptism is baptismal. In classical Greek, it was used of a smith who dipped a piece of hot iron in water, tempering it. The ceremonial ritual was an introduction of placing a person into a new environment or into union with something else so as to alter their condition or relationship to the previous environment. Environment. We used to live in the sphere and environment of constant sin, the first Adam. Now we're in the last Adam. We've been translated to a different sphere and environment. That's what he's talking about. Now, the ritual does not, in and of itself, remove sin, as you know nor does it in any way complete salvation. 1 Peter 3, 19-21 tells us that. And Jesus said it in John 19, 30 on the cross. It is finished. Now, Peter, in this text there, tells us about the antediluvial flood that was a type of judgment and death to sinful man. Looking to the anti-type, the fulfillment, baptism, putting to death the old sin nature. Okay, a type always points to the fulfillment. The anti-type is the greater than the type, okay? Because the type points. It's prophecy, points forward. The fulfillment is the greater, right? So the prophecy would be the type. The fulfillment would be the anti-type, all right? Now, the ritual of a type of death in union with the atoning death, and this is it, the atoning death of Jesus, as a witness to a good conscience towards God through the resurrected power of Jesus Christ, not the putting away the filth of the flesh. Peter makes that clear. Water can take no sin away from you. If you use soap, you might get some dirt off. The blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. Okay? So he's using this as an illustration. Now, look at verse 4. The Apostle Paul stated the obvious conclusion of a Christian. Therefore, we were buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in the newness of life we who were baptized were buried with Christ into the sphere of His death. What happened to Christ happened to me when I repented. The purpose being that as Christ was raised from the dead by the power of the Father to life. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, the very same power that raised Jesus from, and here in the text, ek, from the dead, means out away from the dead. The very same power available to the person justified to walk in the newness of life, no longer bound to the dominion of sin nature, but the new creation. Second Corinthians five seventeen. The teaching is a comparison. Listen to the phrase: "Just as Christ." Was raised by the Father's power, so the believer can walk in the newness of life by the very same power. The very same power that raised Jesus is the same power that allows me to walk in that new sphere. Now look at verse 5 through 7. The Apostle Paul stated the clear implication to the Christian. In verse 5 The believer is united one with Christ. For if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection. The word united means to grow together, to be grafted into, clear illustrations, a past completed act. You might say, instead of for if, say in view of the fact that we have been united. It's a fact. There's no doubt there. The word likeness means resemblance. We died to sin nature just as he died vicariously for us at the cross. So we are to live in the power of his resurrection in our new life now. Paul the Apostle spoke about that in Philippians 3, 10 through 13. One thing uh, uh, is needful, forgetting those things that are behind, pressing forward the things that are ahead. I'm not accomplished. I, I lay hold on that which, for which I was apprehended for, and I press towards the mark. Yes, and obtain. We still have to go forward. Now notice the reason in verse 6 we can do this is due to the death of Christ on the cross for us no longer being slaves to sin nature. This is what is taught. Not sins. Sin nature is the whole topic. Knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin nature, that's what it means, might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin nature. The old man is synonymous with the old sin nature. Now the word body, as you know, soma, it's the body of sin refers to the physical body. The instrument and the channel for the fruit of sin nature. But the body is not sinful in and of itself. I can pick up a pen, I can write poetry, or I can write dirty words. I can't say, You dirty pen, I can't believe you. The pen is neutral. It's me. My body's neutral. It's my sin nature. All right? The sanctified person is no longer a slave to sin nature the new nature through the power of the holy spirit doing away with notice he says that making it inoperative rendered idle or putting it out of business how the new divine nature second peter chapter 1 verse 3 through 4 god has given you everything pertaining to life and godliness a new divine nature to escape the corruption of this world galatians 6:14 tells you the same now look at verse 7 he who has died has been freed from sin now, is he talking about that we are sinless? No. Perfect? No. We're freed from sin nature's dominion. He who has died is the arrow's tense once and for all action. Dead men do not respond to pleasure, temptation, or anything for that matter. You can go up to a morgue, walk up to a stiff, tell him a joke, cuss him out, smack him. They respond the same. They don't. They're dead. So, when we are in the old nature, we're dead to the things of God. Now, we still have a free will, though. Don't don't forget that, okay? Don't exclude the free will. You're not a robot, either when you're lost or when you're saved. All right? By the way, the word free is the same word for justified, acquitted, declared righteous of chapter 5, verse 1. A man told Spurgeon one time, as he sat there, after he got done with the sermon, he came up and told him he had never sinned since he'd been born again, that he disagreed with. So Spurgeon didn't argue with him, asked him out to lunch. They went out to lunch, and they were sitting across the table, and Spurgeon was listening to him, how great he was and sinless, and he had a little glass of water like this. He's drinking it like that, and all of a sudden, he stood up and lunged, threw it in his face. The guy got up, just started blurting out a storm. Spurgeon says, I knew he hadn't died. He just fainted. Every Christian canon is to put off the old sin nature. Listen to Paul, Ephesians four twenty-two through 24. That you put off concerning your former conduct, the old man which grows corrupt according to deceitful lust, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, that you may put on the new man which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. That implies that you have the ability and I. Colossians 3, 8 through 10. But now you yourselves are... P- are to put off all these anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language, out of your mouth. He's talking to Christians, by the way. Do not lie to one another, since you have put off the old man with his deeds, and have put on the new man who is renewed in the knowledge according to the image of him who created him, the image of Christ. That's my responsibility. I died with him on the cross when I accepted him, but then I have to reckon the old man dead daily, right? Every Christian will fall short in sin at times. First John 1 8 again deals with sin nature. He says that our sin nature is present with us until the Lord takes us home. And if we deny that, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. First John 1 8. In First John 1:10, our sin nature is the root of our evilness, and the acts and deeds of sin are the fruit of that root which if we deny that we commit acts of sin, that we make God a liar and his word is not in us. Very interesting. Every Christian then is to please God because they can please God. First Thessalonians 4, 1 Thessalonians 4.1 says, Finally then, brethren, we urge you and exhort you in the Lord Jesus Christ that you should abound more and more just as you have received from us how you ought to walk and to please God. Hebrews 11, 6 says, But without faith it's impossible to please Him, for he who comes to God must believe that He is, and that He is the reward of those who diligently seek Him. Pleasing God with this new nature. And so the proclamation regarding our sin nature is that no longer it has dominion over us. This is the proclamation.
0: Pastor Xavier wrote drawing on the simple truths of Romans chapter 6 to point the way to victory over sin. And there's much more of this study to come next time. But if you'd like to request a copy of today's message on CD in the meantime, ask for Deliverance from Sin Nature's Power. It's available for only $4. This CD includes the complete message as it was originally delivered but didn't have time to include on the air. Once again, the title to ask for is Deliverance from Sin Nature's Power 91107 And thanks for mentioning the call letters of this station when you get in touch. This helps us track the effectiveness of this ministry in your area. And then join us for more Simple Truths next time with Pastor Xavier Rees.